yes, 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 yes! That was a goal! Striker! And another! Bing bang, stick it in! Thank you and good night! Twat! That was liquid football! Hello everybody, it's your old friends at Monday Madness and welcome to another exciting edition of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Woo! Woo! Yes, we're all definitely in the room, lads. Uh, trust us on that one. Um, <laughs> we're happy to say that we're joined by Neil and Bert definitely this time around. Um, <laughs> I, I assure you we would have used a soundboard, but unfortunately it broke after uh, overusing it last time. So uh, we had to get the real, real deal in this week. Um, how's the form, guys? Have you been enjoying the uh, the sprint to the end of the Premier League? Not really. No, I kind of wanted to be fucking done. <laughs> We've waited so long for football to, to happen, and then suddenly, nah, no, nah, I'm actually, I should prefer not having it. To be honest, with you? <laughs> We've <laughs> all moved on. I forgot how taxing it was on my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to go back to not caring. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I, I am kind of somewhat in a way, weird sort of-ish kind of way <laughs> looking forward to the FA Cup final. But uh, past that, I just couldn't give a fucking toss. I really couldn't. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, can our listeners tell which two of us are Arsenal fans? It's, uh, it's kind of hard to, hard to tell from the general mood of the call, but however... Anyway, lads, uh, we better kick off the show proper, as we always do, with uh, a warm-up, if you will, our uh, transfer guff. So, um, yeah, um, I've got a, a special theme round this time, uh, which is uh, all about our promoted teams or would-be promoted teams. So uh, if you're not familiar with the round, I have picked two uh, stories from reputable sources who are give, reporting on some sort of transfer rumor that could or could not happen. And then I have uh, mixed in one of my uh, stories from my FIFA save file. And it's up to my two colleagues here to distinguish the fake FIFA story from the real, almost definitely happening transfer rumors that are um, floating around. So, FIFA rise on our top story tonight, which is about West Bromwich Albion. So, as you know, they secured promotion to the Premier League this week, and according to the Guardian, they're looking to secure some Premier League experience to balance out their relatively young squads. So, the two targets have identified actually are both Irish. Would you believe? Uh, they're looking to get Robbie Brady to uh, bolster up their left midfield, and they're also trying to get some back backup at right back because um, they just let go of their main right back Nathan Ferguson to Crystal Palace, and the top target is Seamus Coleman. So uh, the Guardian reckon that West Brom are going to lodge bids for Robbie Brady and Seamus Coleman. That's that top story. My second story then comes from uh, the Spanish press, preferably Marca, and they're talking about Fulham in this one. So. You might remember last season, uh, Fulham spent pretty badly um, in their promotion che- promotion um, bonus, if you like, last time out. They had a lot of flops, and one of them was a uh, fellow called Andre Frank Zambo Anguisa, 
who uh, signed for about twenty-eight million pounds from uh, from a French club. Now he went out on loan to Villarreal uh, over the summer and uh, on loan, obviously. And Villarreal want to make it permanent, and they're willing to give them twenty-two million pounds for one of their massive flops because he's apparently impressed the club and their hierarchy during his time there. So well, that's story for Zambo and Guisa. Yes. Yeah. Real. Uh, Villarreal. Villarreal. Villarreal, yeah. Jesus, no, not Real Madrid. Fucking hell. <laughs> that would be definitely fake. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's Villarreal looking to get the, that long move permanent for uh, Zambo and Guisa. And my last story then uh, involves the reigning champions of the championship. That's Leeds United. Uh, very much on the way to the Premier League. And they're looking to uh, get some firepower under their uh, belt. And according to their own owner, Andrea Radrazani, they are monitoring the situation with free agent and former PSG man Edison Cavani. Um, he says that uh, they, him and along uh, some other very notable candidates are people that are looking to uh, bolster their strike force with. So that story, if you were to believe their owner, is Edison Cavani to Leeds United. So couple that with the other two stories I mentioned, which is Robbie Brady and Seamus Coleman to West Brom or Frank uh, Zambo Anguisa leaving Fulham for good to Villarreal. So what do you guys think about those three stories? Cavani to Leeds has to be like some computer glitch in the PlayStation <laughs> or Football Manager, whatever it was you were doing. Although like, if, it's, if, it's, if it's real, it's a glitch in the fucking Matrix. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with that as the, uh, the fake fake. Nah. You've offered Cavani to Leeds. My my fake is the Seamus Coleman one because everything would be fucking nuts to let him go. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, okay, you have your two shouts there. I can tell you that my first real story is the one that you didn't fall for, which is Marca. Um, <laughs> apparently, Villarreal love Zambo and Guisa so much that they're going to basically allow Fulham to get their money back on him. Uh, don't ask me why. He's not that good. Apparently, he's turned it right the way around. Um, but there are there are rumors in like from fucking market linking him with Real. Yeah, that's why that's, I asked. Mm. So yeah, so apparently he's turned around that Villarreal so much that Real Madrid fucking want them. That is very very bizarre. Um, if anything, that really sums up La Liga all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, so that story is real. And my other real story involves Edison Cavani and Leeds United. <laughs> According to the club owner, uh, Radrazani, he is considering tabling a substantial bid for Edison Cavani. So, uh, uh, okay. Can you imagine that? That uh, Edison Cavani on the bench because Bielsa still wants to play Patrick Bamford. That's, that's just a work of art, isn't it? Like, it's, it's so good. Um, and yes, as Neil deduced quite well, uh, my fake story was West Brom signing both Robbie Brady and Seamus Coleman. Uh, for their Premier League return. So, uh, well done to you, Neil. You uh, obviously sussed it out from the Coleman part. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not a chance ever, not even Everton would get rid of him. I don't know, man. They're fucking idiots. Uh, they are. That's, that's, that's why I was hoping to fool you with that one, but uh, yeah. obviously not. So, in any case then, uh, that's a transfer go over and done with. So, let's jump right into our um, triple dose of the Premier League rundown.
hopefully we can get you a little this a little bit quicker than um, the two hour extravaganza we had last week, even with <laughs> robot soundboards. Uh, thankfully, it, like the leak is starting to fizzle out a bit, so hopefully this is the case. Um, the first match day match we're going to talk about for match day thirty five is our Burkbart's shout, which is Watford's win against Newcastle. Now, Burkbart, considering that you don't know what Watford is, why did you pick this match? <laughs> it was the first one that came up on your list. Great. That, do you know what? I, I, I shouldn't have expected anything else. <laughs> um, I did not watch this match. Um, Shocked. Shocked to hear that. We edit that first line out. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. I'm going to get the soundboard back. That was like, this is a lot easier to manage. <laughs> um, no, it, like, uh, I, I, basically what prompted me to kind of pick this one was the fact that we are playing Watford on the last day. Mm-hmm. So it prompted me to check whether Watford were the good ones or the bad ones. And they are the bad ones. Yeah, we both um, the good ones. We beat them 2-0. Um, Wolves are the good ones, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every fucking week we have to double check this. Um, so yeah, Watford anyway, um, they are due to be relegated if they should lose to us at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, how did they get themselves into this position? But it's pretty much just they've been shite all season. Um, and then I looked at this because this was one of the options and during the match week you sent on. I said, let's have a look at this match. Um, and they're like, Newcastle, what the fuck? They just handed them two penalties and just, you know, that was it. I don't know who scored the first goal for Newcastle, but Ding. they gave stupid penalties because mm. I watched the highlights and I skipped past the bits of Newcastle doing stuff. And then I went and watched the penalties because Troy Deeney, who apparently Arsenal fans are meant to hate, um, scored the two penalties. And they were both straight down the middle. First one, Keeper probably could have done something about it. The second one went top, top of the net, straight down the middle, though. But um, yeah, that, that is my recap of that match. Fun fact, actually, one of my rejected stat attacks was uh, how many penalties has Newcastle conceded this season? And the answer is two. They went through the entire season practically without conceding a penalty until the Watford game. And they're fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I know. Is this just like... Just... It's almost like, you know, they had a bet on that they had to concede an amount of penalties and they're like, fuck it, we'll just do it to Watford. Yeah. No, they're just there, like, the two defenders is going like, hey, mate, bet your five or I can spoon Troy Deeney. You're not going to fucking spoon Troy Deeney. He's going to elbow drop you. Guarantee you, man, fiver. <laughs> Whatever it is, let's do it. Oh, fuck, penalty box. Forgot about that part. Shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but that is my recap that Troy Deeney scored two penalties that were gifted to him on a plate. To be honest with you, that is a lot more match analysis than I was expecting. So, um, well done, I guess. Yeah. Hopefully, any Watford fans listening uh, is delighted with the amount of exposure we're getting. They don't exist. They actually don't. <laughs> well, there is one. There's Elton John. I mean, that, that, he's one Watford fan that everyone knows about. So, you know, it's just him on the stadium by himself. He's, um, he's a part of the board, isn't he? He's like in a- yeah, he bought them back in the day and, and sold them off to uh, different to the pizza family. Well, to someone else and then to the pizza family. That's how, how it worked. He's still there, pizza. though. Pizza. We were talking oh. about them later because uh, oh. they, they've had a busy all week. Got to the fucking choicers. Um so, moving on then, we have uh, West Ham 4, Norwich 0. This is the match that officially relegated Norwich, lads. 
And it was all thanks to that bitch, Mikel Antonio. <laughs> he scored all four fucking goals. All four goals. Who what? knew? Yes. About that, yeah. Like, who knew if you just sacked off Sebastian Haller and played your, your best striker, you win games. Isn't it crazy how football works sometimes? I know. It's, it's almost as if people don't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, and also fucking Nick and Eleven, he also got man of the match. I mean... I bet he can. Do you know what? I guarantee you. I guarantee you can't even throw a shoe over a stadium. <laughs> guarantee Never you. Never even done a war. Never even done a fucking war. All he did was drive a Lamborghini into some woman's house dressed as a snowman. That's not a war. Um, but yes, obviously, this is the end of Norwich's Premier League adventure. Are we all shocked to hear that they weren't able to survive despite nah, being. We've been saying fucked for months. <laughs> In fairness, yeah. I honestly think they just went into the league for the parachute payments and then were like, right, lads, we'll see you in two years' time. <laughs> in fairness, like, they had like 11 injuries at one point um, and I don't think a newly promoted team will ever survive having, you know, even half that amount of injuries in a season. So, yeah, yeah no, they were doomed from the get-go. I think the other problem is as well that like a lot of their issues have been self-inflicted because like, they could have signed some like some competition for P- Pookie, and they never did. Like they practically went through the whole season with just two forwards, which is Pookie and Dermich. That was it. Like, and um, they actually sold off the other one they had in January. So they literally have just had two strikers all season. Uh, and Adam Ida, of course, got promoted up to the first team again, just by necessity more than anything else. And um, as you said, like, the defenders, the team was just really small. Like they, they're a very small group of players. And just they needed a bit more quality in the team, and especially when you look at it, looking at them, the defending, like Jesus, they're just all over the place. Like so, yeah, it's no wonder they got relegated. Hopefully, they learn from their lesson and, and try again, try again a bit harder next next season or the season after. You know, just don't do it for the money, lads. You know. Um, next up then is uh, Liverpool one, Burnley one, and moving on then to uh, Sheffield three, Chelsea nil which is the game I'm going to talk about because I actually watched this one, lads. And uh, I, I never thought I'd say this, lads, but Sheffield United are tactically superior than Frank Lampard. Like, that, <laughs> like I, I, I don't think that, that comes as a shocker, really. But, like, any Chelsea fans who are kind of getting, like, uh, ahead of themselves for next season about, like, signing Havertz and Zayek and Werner. Oh, they're way ahead of you there, man. Here's the thing with that, right? It's all good and well having... Like the best attackers, and don't get me wrong, they have a really good strike force. Like when you have when you have the choice of like Pulisic, Willian, uh, but like not Batshuayi, Jesus Abraham. Oh, uh, uh, I, I doubt it. No, I think he's he's been replaced. But even then, like so, with Willian gone, you immediately have Zayek straight in. So you have Pulisic and Zayek, very similar players on both flanks. Havertz in the center, Werner playing off, apparently playing off the wing as well. Who knows? Um, but even then, like, you have a, a wealth of choices up front. But like, that's not the problem with Chelsea. The problem is that the defenders are practically scared of the ball half the time. They can't mark. They can't track back. And the goalkeeper is, quite frankly, not good enough for the Premier League. Um, I, I will agree with you there. I just saw um, actually a Chelsea... Um, friend of mine, Chelsea supporting friend of mine, uh, mm. which I know sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, they uh, were basically saying that um, with the emergence of Emmy Martinez at Arsenal, that they would take 
Martinez in a heartbeat if Arsenal were to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, at a fraction of the price or whatever, you know, he'd be worth probably a fraction of the price of uh, Kepa. But uh, just absolutely, like, completely uh, has kind of ruined any goodwill from the fans as well. Has just Like, you know, last season he had that fight with... Um, Sorry, yeah. And, like, refused to leave the pitch and things like that. That kind of soured, but people didn't really like Sari, so it was kind of like, oh, I don't know whose side to pick there. Mm. But basically, they were just saying that they don't, his positioning is really bad, his communication is really bad, and it seems like he wants to be the big man and make all the big saves at any point, but then gets it horribly wrong. Um, yeah. But, um, shouldn't throw stones, I suppose, being an Arsenal fan. and glass houses and all but um yeah we're looking slightly better in the goalkeeping department whereas pretty much the same kind of issues with as Chelsea would have mm. defensively very poor but at least we have that decent goalkeeper to back us up yeah well in fairness you have uh, you have a fairly valid reason to throw stones because you've gone through like a, a, a period of like maybe a couple of years where you had really bad goalkeepers like you would have had like Manone Chesney when he when he didn't really catch fire Fabianski when he was over there was very poor as well so like you would have gone through that that period where like like everything that you had was just shit goalkeeping and like no matter how like like competent your defense was it was always under undone by that Chelsea's issue is that like they're both both those issues are there and like one is either isn't as good as the other in that sense um like, like, there's a match later on that, like, really kind of, like, proves that in a way. Uh, as we just, we, Burkwatt's been lost to us. We, um, <laughs> the unfortunately couldn't. She's oh, gone. Oh, yeah. Sorry. She seems to have been banished to the Shadow Realm there. But she's back. So, um, yes. What's it like to have the shit internet now, Burkwatt, huh? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't, it's not nice, is it? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is audio form. You can't see that. <laughs> Trifle bitches. She's also she's also muted. That's great. <laughs> this is all going very well. Um. So anyway, uh, as I was saying, like the, like the Sheffield United like, kept the kept the game mostly like on the floor. Like they kept it like low, and uh, McGoldrick just ran rings around Rudiger and Zuma. Like it wasn't even funny. Like the the actual like the intelligence difference between McGoldrick and the centre backs was incredible, because like he was just like player of the year. He sh- to be fair, like it, like he he's definitely underrated. Like that's that we can all kind of agree on that because like the work he does do makes the rest of the team tick, and the fact that he's had to yeah. wait what thirty five games for his first league goals is unfair. Considering I think two of them were VAR were disallowed by VAR. But like he's well, he's well worth those two goals in that sense because everything else he does for the team is fantastic, and it really showed in this Chelsea game. Like he just made, he just made them look like fools. Like he they were chasing shadows. He made shit out of them. Do you know what? Look, as we say to our to the man upstairs, he put them under fucking pressure, and you know what? It worked. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just getting to the point that like Rudiger and Zuma just aren't as good as people expect to like. Yeah, uh, was Nzuma was bought by Mourinho. He was, and he was like Mourinho in by... loan dilemmas for years. Exactly, but he was initially bought in because he was a good defender and he had legs, like he could run, he had a bit of pace. 
But um, I was like, yeah, what good is pace if you can't really think? And <laughs> my Goldricks just fucking, ah, oh, they just sold them, you know? Yeah. I think there was one goal in particular where, like, I think it was maybe in the second goal or first McGoldrick goal, where it was just like a, a simple cross, like, over the Chelsea back line. And honestly, like, the, like for, for two, like, fairly tall centre-backs in Rudiger and Zuma, not one of them tries to head the ball. Like, they literally just, they're just standing and almost, like, afraid to clear it out. Like, it's just bizarre. Like, the, to have, like, players who don't match their, like, physical attributes, you know, it's weird. It, it, it doesn't make sense, like. And, um, and yeah, like, just Sheffield, like, by all accounts, they won, like, four or five now. They were all over Chelsea. Like, they just could not, they could not compete with them, like. And the thing about Chelsea is that, like, they could have played for another 90 minutes and they wouldn't have scored. Like, it no, wasn't, like, they were completely toothless. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, moving on then to, uh, I don't want Man City 5-0, Brighton, fuck off. Like, you're not, you're not fucking impressing anybody. Like, he's lost. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, oh, yeah, oh, look, we can put five past Brighton. Well done. Good for you. <laughs> fucking cheating bastards. Um, Financial fair play dodging bastards. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck is. They didn't even do a war either. FFP is dead, baby. FFP or IP. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, they, like <laughs> not even that, but like, it's like, what's the point of even putting five past Man City, like Brighton? What are you trying to prove? You've lost the league. The Champions League is next month. Calm your fucking tits, like you're not going to win anything. Like you should have like saved their strength for the FA Cup semi final. Oh wait, how did that go? The, like the Brighton are desperate to be Henri's. Um, Fucking this record, yeah. He said that because Henri helps coach the Belgian team. Mm. And uh, the last training camp they had, I think De Bruyne was on like 14 or something yeah. like that. And he turned around to Henri and he's like, oh, I'm coming for you. And Henri's like, good luck, man. You'll probably do it. Um, I mean, so, yeah. so it seems like Sterling, Sterling seems to be the kind of focus as well because he like now the hat-trick in this and then two in the Watford game. It's like, Okay, Rand, you're going to go for the Golden Boots. Could you leave it to someone who actually deserves it, maybe? Like Danny Ings or Jamie Vardy or Aubameyang? No, no, you're just going to... Yeah, yeah, okay, right. We have to, get, hang on. We have to get prizes to Man City, lads. Well done. Good, good for you, lads. Like, when you consider those sheer wealth of midfield options, and like if you've got David Silva and De Bruyne behind you serving you ball, you should be hmm. getting that Golden Boot every fucking year. True. You, know, they, they should, you should have that super glue to your fucking mantelpiece. Mm. I mean, the fact that he's still not in the real, really in the running. I mean, nobody really expects him to win it. Um, but he's against Norwich last game, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah already. They might absolutely fucking tonk Norwich like a yeah fucking beast. But even then, like he he shouldn't need like a last second flurry against a relegated team to win the Golden Boot. Mm. When you've got the sheer wealth behind them that he does, he should be fucking. He should have already won it. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And it's all relative, it's all relative, lads. But don't worry, like Man City will have all this fixed. They'll just like you know, well, well, 150 million for somebody and another 200 million, and then we'll uh, sign the planet Mars, yeah. and then they'll that'll play for us instead. Yeah, there was the, the joke running, the joke running joke when we beat them in the FA Cup semi final was that oh, don't worry, Man City will call in their lawyers and have the. Uh, Overturned. <laughs> uh, can't buy your fucking cups, apparently. But uh, here we are. So yes, uh, 
Otherwise, elsewhere was uh, Wolves 3, Everton 0. Um, this is a fun match to watch if you hate Jordan Pickford like I do. Because holy shit, was he terrible in this match. Uh, like, he nearly bungled a goal in. He's fucking awful. Like, yeah. I don't know if you want to, like, maybe discuss, like, in England's fucking goalkeeping options or something like mm. that. They're fucking fucking good. Like, to be fair, you're right, because, like, Jordan Pickford was meant to be my COD this week, uh, but I switched because something far funnier came across. But, yeah, like, I was going to have a conversation about that, how, like, Jordan Pickford, in my, for me, isn't even in the top five English keepers. Like, well, I can, no, no he, he is, but that just speaks to the kind of the darts of goalkeeping that is. Jesus. That is in, like, he's not, the to- he's, he's not in the top five. He's in the top five English keepers. He's not the top five keepers in the English league. Mm. Um, because Jesus Christ, he's just awful. Like, he, he is really, really, really terrible. And this isn't just another fucking joy being at tiny arms. Like, he's a fucking T Rex. He's just, <laughs> his reactions are off. He can't, he can't keep balls out. Remember, I don't, I don't know if you, if you hark back to our early, really early podcasts when Joe Hart was on the fucking way out. Yeah. And this is actually quite poignant because it was Pickford who replaced Joe Hart in the England setup. Mm. Now, you know what Hart was starting to go out, not when he wasn't getting the balls, because sometimes that'll just happen to you. A guy, a guy, a guy will fucking top in it, or he'll rocket it into the roof of the fucking net, and you're looking at him going like, I'm not getting the fucking way of that. <laughs> the problem, how you knew Hart was on the way out, was that he was getting the balls, but he wasn't keeping them out. Mm. So he didn't have the hand strength really to keep them out. And that's starting to happen with Pickford. It's actually also starting to happen, you'll see, with De Gea as well. I was about to mention that, yes. Yeah. De Gea, mm. I'm like, I was looking at some of the De Gea fucking howlers he was letting in, and I was going, oh my good God, this is the guy considered one of the best on the planet? Mm. Like, is that, oh. Can I just jump in there with oh, a yeah. genuine question there? Neil, as a goalkeeper, um, is that a thing that has to be worked on like something keeping that hand strength or is that something that you just goes and you don't have it anymore it's it's got to be worked on you know i mean that's what you that's what your goalkeeping coach is looking at your goalkeeping coach would be looking at actually with the hair it's something slightly different with pickford yeah it probably is just like arms arm strength maybe he's got maybe he's got a lingering kind of shoulder niggle and he can't really extend himself that but maybe something wrong with his elbow and he just he can't get the he can't get his kind of upper body behind his hand uh, for for parlance, um, yeah. and that he can't get his body weight behind his hand and keep it out. Or maybe sometimes it could be a technique. Lots of goalkeepers, you'll see them nowadays, where when they attempt to save a ball, they don't save it kind of head on, like dead on. They're not looking to stop the ball dead. They're actually looking to kind of parry it around the post. And sometimes when they try and do that, they'll undercompensate. Also, they'll overcompensate. So instead of parrying it, they're just hitting it into the net. It's just going mm. off of them because they've got a, yeah, a few, yeah. yeah they're, they're, the angle's too shallow and they're not getting it because they're, too, they're, too, they're so afraid of saving the ball and filling it and then just having the guy right, right in front of you. But for me, that was never really much of an issue um, because like if, I saved, like if I had to go full stretch to save a ball and it bounces off of me, dribbles five yards and the guy puts it in, Nobody's looking at me. They're pointing to the defense. You know, yeah. I'm looking at the you've done your job. You've done a shot stuff. Exactly. That's your yeah. job done. Yeah. Um, with De Gea, it's something slightly different. De Gea makes a lot of foot saves. Mm. Uh, real, I, I, 
used to refer the kind to of re the reflex, reflexive saves, perhaps. Five aside, five aside, five or six aside saves. They're the type of saves you, I make when I'm, in, when I'm playing with my mates in a six or seven aside game. Um, but he seems to now stop using his feet now when he's trying to get the things with his hands. Um, if you look at the Bergwin mm. goal in the Spurs yeah. game, and I think it's the Bergwin goal in the Spurs game, and the second goal in... Oh, what, what match did they lose 3-1? Uh, United or... Uh... Yeah, Man United. They lost a match 3-1. Bruno Fernandes scored a penalty at the very end. Uh, it might have happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, can't remember it offhand, actually. But uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll fix that in post. <laughs> but, anyways, but there was there was one match where the second goal was basically also fired at him. And you can see him kind of almost going, well, I... Put my if he sticks his leg out, he stops it, but he doesn't. He goes to try and kind of get his hand to it, and he can't react quick enough. Mm. So it, it's it, it's weird. It's a real dart of <laughs> goalkeeping, and you need a good goal. That's where your goalkeeping coach needs to step in and go, <laughs> right? We've got an issue here, and we need to fucking fix this because yeah, this guy this guy's getting balls fired at him. It's me. He's getting balls fired at him, and they're not staying out, and that's that's a serious fucking issue. I that think match they... Sorry? That match was versus Chelsea. Oh, Ch 3-1 match. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. FA Cup match, yeah. yeah. The FA Cup match. Sorry, it was the FA Cup match, yes. Mm. Um, where he was actually... <laughs> looking back, I, I genuinely believe he was off false for all three goals, but the second one was a fucking hell. Yeah. Not like him at all. And like I said, it, it kind of like... I mean, those resonate with Pickford because... Yeah, well, unfortunately, yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's the same argument does hold true for Pickford because like he just doesn't seem to have control when he's in goal the thing, anymore. The thing about goalkeeping is that like one bad kind of spell can really end your career quite badly. And I mentioned it before, but the person that he really needs to look to for an example for that is the person he replaced in the England setup, which is Joe Hart. Joe Hart mm -hmm. had a really bad spell, lost his number one spot, didn't even get kept on as the second string keeper. Now, whether or not he refused to be the second string keeper or whether or not Southgate just turned around and went, I can't use you at all, pal. Yeah. You're just not reliable. Uh, and now two years later, he doesn't even have a fucking club. Two years, yeah. after, two years after being the England number one, he doesn't even have a fucking club. Mm. Now, I'm not on the Joe Hart bandwagon. Bandwagon. I don't particularly think he's that good, but I do think he. I do think, still think he's still a reliable-ish keeper. But he's he's definitely not bad enough not to have a fucking club. Like, well, like I said, we have teams coming into the league next season, so one of them might just yeah, like he might, offer he might them. Get a, he might get him on one of them, but um, yeah, I, I don't really think so. He still doesn't have his distribution of this spot for any teams that want to really play ball with a goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, because um, I, was, I was about to make this point about Pickford, is that like, it's really only a detriment to England now if he keeps like, being number one. Like, the reason that he's in the number one is because really, like, yeah, it was kind of explained that yes, maybe he's not like, the most adequate in terms of goalkeeping, but it's his actual passing that like, is really beneficial to the team. And they're like, going like, okay, that's fair enough if he is making like, if he's keep making like eight, nine out of ten saves, that's fair enough. Like, that's, a, that's a benefit then to the team. But when he's doing like only like conceding like if his save percentages go down that much, then what's the point of having a good pass in you if you're not able to keep the ball out? You know what I mean? Like you're the last line of defense. Like it, it does not make sense that like that's what you should be doing more as opposed to like can you ping a pass to your midfield perfectly? 
that seems to be, maybe I'm crazy here, but that should be the priority as a goalkeeper, not as a fucking, if he's that good out, if he's that good with the ball, then play him outfield. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think the priorities are mixed up there. Like, when you do look at, like, the goalkeepers now in the Premier League, like Nick Pope, Dean Henderson, that's your top two. And, like, really, like, Jordan Pinford for me is in the same class as, like, if anything, he's actually underneath Ben Foster and Tom Heaton for me. I think they're much better keepers than he is. You know, like, so Pinford's competing for fifth in that list for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, but in all fairness, like, when it comes to keepers, Southgate doesn't really have much of a very good... Uh, he doesn't have a good lot to pick from. I mean, mm. yeah, Pope's ahead of him, but, like, you're... you're like, you've got five runs of the litter there. Mm. <laughs> no, it's true, yeah. Like, like, Since we're talking about goalkeepers, can I jump in with a mad transfer that's happened in the women's league? Uh, newly promoted Aston Villa have signed Leon goalkeeper Lisa Weiss. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. as, in the champ- as in the Champions League winning goalkeeper going to Villa. Yeah, Leon, Fuck. the best women's team on the planet. The Globetrotters oh, going to Birmingham. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's something. That's awesome. Uh, awesome money for that. I like. I, it's a bit mad, but now, like, I was just kind because of, talking obviously about goalkeepers in the women's game. There's a bit of a merry-go-round of goalkeepers moving from different clubs, um, and there are some. There's about maybe five or six. Um, goalkeepers that are, have left their clubs and are now currently, you know, co- uh, contractless. Um, whereas, and then there's loads of clubs without keepers, but they're just, it's like, who's going to get who? Yeah, and then it's all like a of Out of nowhere, Lisa Weiss gets released by Leon and goes to Aston Villa. <laughs> That's so yeah, no, just uh, I thought I'd jump in on the goalkeeper talk. Yeah, that. that's good. I didn't that know that. That's that's odd. Um, but at least, uh, in fairness, good on Villa because that's a that's a signal of intent that you're actually taking this shit seriously. So well done to them. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, like uh, we probably mentioned uh, keepers along. It seems to be like a running theme for um, for Everton and United throughout these games. But uh, moving on then is a pretty massive win for Aston Villa as we were just talking about them there as they beat Crystal Palace two 0 Granted, Palace are very much on the beach, but they still have to put them away all the same, and they, that's what—that's exactly what they did. So, uh, but that, that, that was really kind of the start of the resurgence for Villa because they haven't been that bad since the restart. But it's just that they just never really got goals and wins to reflect that. Like, okay, they had a few dodgy like results. Bad. They just haven't scored the goals of one of the games. But that's, but that's <laughs> been their issue. Their issue has been that they haven't like like converted what like what should be a good performance. Like they do put themselves about and they do actually try. They're just lacking quality because all everything goes through McGinn and Grealish. And they don't have the striker there that's good enough to put that away. They thought they yeah, had it with um, with Wesley. No. They thought they had it with Samata. No. Now they're putting everything on their youngster, Keenan Davis, and it's just not quite there. So they're 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 forcing their white players to come inside and score, which is working for now, but like, you know, it, it's got them more or less out of trouble. Yeah, it, it definitely has, and it looks like they're probably not going to go down. So lots of clubs that were looking to buy Grealish, um, they're kind of going, ah, fuck. You know, they were, <laughs> I, I reckon they were all really hoping they'd get him on the cheap. Yes. But um, no, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to fucking happen. Well, well, to be fair, Neil, there's only one goal in it. 
like they're, they're both on joint points. It's just one goal. So it literally could be a case of them outscoring each other or out-conceding each other. Um, depends on how the how Sunday goes, which would be fun. Um, considering you guys are involved in that uh, kerfuffle. Uh, speaking of Arsenal, Neil, uh, it's time to talk about the North London Derby. Um, cast your no. mind back to last week. Last time out we were, we were podcasting and Neil was so optimistic going into the North London Derby. And yet, alas, you guys lose 2-1. And, uh, it was the most optimistic when you consider the week of games that we had it mm. was the only match I was somewhat optimistic about because basically in the space of a week we were going to have to play Spurs uh, Liverpool and City in a <laughs> FA Cup semi-final yes so like out of those three which ones are you going to have like Spurs were on the down they just had a fucking torrid game, nil all game but he didn't have a single shot on target despite fielding seven attackers. Um, <laughs> it was dire Mourinho ball. And I was thinking, look, these cons are here for the taking. And, and they weren't. And they, they weren't, but I was right to think that. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand, do I consider it to be a bad week? No, it wasn't a bad week because we wound up beating fucking Liverpool 2-1 mm-hmm. and beating City 2-0 in two comprehensive great games. Although we came crashing back to earth. Like the fucking so used. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get onto that. Don't worry. <laughs> so, in all fairness, what was funny about this game was that afterwards, looking at the press kind of press reaction, because normally North London derbies, the fucking they come out of the woodwork like fucking termites being in a caked plank of wood, and uh, but most of the the reports about this game were how did the North London derby come to this. Because if you, talk, if you think back, not on the derbies, there were tense affairs. There was always a lot on stake. There was top four, you know, maybe going top of the league, all this type of shit, you know. It was very rare. <laughs> or it was just Arsenal asserting their dominance over a fucking miserly other team. That's mm. just it. What we had in this North London derby was a team that was eighth facing a team that was ninth. Neither of them really looking competent about getting into Europe one of them now not going to do it well might still but in case even then still now um, neither of them really <laughs> looking at getting into Europe um, one a team in utter disarray um, and the other was Arsenal uh, <laughs> who are in fucking we're in our second manager this season um, third sorry third ma- manager this season um, so yeah, like we we're on yeah we're on our third manager in one season, coming off of having the same manager for twenty two years last mm. after prior to last season, and this is terrible. Like when you consider right that this was a match between last season's Europa League and Champions League finalists, yeah, it was a fucking dire affair lit up only only lit up by a fantastic goal in the sixteenth minute by oh. Alexander Lacazette. Now, we often use the phrase, he counted the ball. But my God, he, he hit this ball like he was Tony Soprano and it owed him money. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Like, even while I was on that, it went like, ooh. I, you know when you kind of like that? Yeah, 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 you got the hand wiggle. You're like, Jesus Christ. As if you're ooh. almost feeling sorry for the ball. It's like, there, just like getting, <laughs> starting to get vapors. It's just like, yeah. oh. Nice, I love that. But, uh, I love those like, goals. It was, a, but even then, like prior, to, prior to that, it was a fucking dire match, absolute mm. shite. 
Um, didn't really look like anything. Like, I didn't know where the fuck Lacazette was even running. Um, he was kind of running in the vague direction of the Spurs goal and decides rather than try and get around six Spurs players, he's like, ah, fuck that. I'm 30 yards out. Yeah. Whack it! And then he blasts the top corner. And then I'm thinking, great, you know what? We're fucking we're on top now. Just strangle it off. Even a 1-0 win. I don't give a fuck. We need to win this game. Give us those three points. Choke them off. It's Mourinho. They've set up for a low block. So now they have to come out to us. So just don't fuck up. What do you three do? Minutes later, <laughs> three minutes later, Kalasanac attempts to pass to David Luiz, but instead passes it to the altered double image that he often sees of David Luiz, which is a good five yards to his fucking right. Um, Luiz can't get back in time. Son is right there, and he just thinks it over Martinez. Uh, that was three minutes, three fucking minutes later. And then, then a, a, a tedious game of kickball happened until mm. fucking shy corner, you know, where yeah. all the viral of all fucking people just nodded one in from a corner. But it, it, all, all the viral marked by Kieran Tierney, who's not the yeah. tallest and not the most like strength, the strongest person there. Like, you know, exactly, just, yeah. If anything it needs to show, we still need to work. It, it, this, actually, out of this match, uh, the stat came that we've conceded 46% of our goals against have been conceded directly from set pieces. 46%. You think like, the only worse amount of conceded goals from set pieces is from Norwich and Aston Villa? And yeah. Chelsea, I believe. And Chelsea, Oh, yeah. Chelsea. So, um, Chelsea are very bad at set pieces, too. Like... So for everybody laughing at people hiring set-piece coaches, like specialist set-piece coaches. This is why. Like when you're shipping one in every two goals from a fucking set-piece, get a set-piece coach. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, this is, again, what this is why pe- people slagged us off for hiring in a throw-in coach. Would you know why? Because we realized the one thing we were losing possession in was throw-ins. So we got someone in to teach us how to get, keep the ball during throw-ins. And then he showed Joel Gomez how to do his secret sensei fucking like Rory Delap technique, which he <laughs> doesn't really do that much, really. <laughs> but even still, like that's like that's this is the reason. That's the type of like nuance you need to apply if you're going to reach the next level. You yeah, know? absolutely. But I think on, I on the North London Derby there, like I I was listening to it. Um, I was on my way home listening to it, and yeah, the stream. <laughs> <laughs> um. The, yeah, no, I, from listening to the stream, uh, it was like we had a lot of possession and then in the final third, we were fucking it up, which has just kind of been the tale of our like season, really. Like we yeah. can't get that final pass into the final third. And uh, it was really frustrating that when I got back in time to watch the second half, um, we were one all and the lack of urgency was really frustrating like we had the majority of possession we had one or two shots or kind of chances but nothing kind of clear cut that you could kind of get excited about yeah but just like I don't think I've seen a North London derby where there's so little passion and that goes for both teams as well like oh yeah not 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 a team not a team anything I'll kind of get onto this because I've got the Villa game yeah kind of get onto this but we've nothing in midfield um 
and I'll, I'll sort of I'll, I'll, I'll highlight that more because I, I think it, it, it's, it was further highlighted in the Villa game than anything else. Um, but it, it also came up with this one is that like we just no creativity whatsoever. Yeah, like I said, hadn't whacked the ball in from 30 yards. I don't think we'd have scored at all. Yeah, this is it. Like the, the Lacazette goal, as gorgeous as it was, was like an individual, like holy shit, as opposed to like a team goal, if that makes sense. Like Absolutely, even from the, yeah. from the whistle, you weren't, you didn't really have a foothold. And the way I kind of described it was that like kind of Spurs from the kickoff kind of took the center of the ring, and like Arsenal didn't really try to occupy the space. Not even that. Just Spurs just set up with a low block and just countered. And that's Arsenal, what I mean. That, that's what I mean. Like they just they just good, took the. They just took that spot and then didn't really do anything with it, you know. Um, and that's to say, like, oh, no, in all fairness, like, we just all the, they just banked on Arsenal making mistakes. And when you consider the players we have, you know, that's that's a bet that's going to pay off. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I will say, one thing is that, like, from this game, Arsenal are going to improve. I don't see Spurs improving. It's curious because, like, at least with Arsenal, you can kind of see that there is progress being made, and you yeah. see it more in the Arsenal and Man City games where they do get that bit of solidity. Uh, whenever, like, and granted, with the, Ar- the Liverpool game was in a way a bit of a freak accident because we gave like two um, two goals away, but like we didn't really push his after that in that sense. So, like, obviously, he did something right in that regard. With the Man City game, that's a real signal of intent. Like, you've actually got something going here, and uh, when you're able to to keep what. But is more or less like still one of the best teams in the league in the world at bay and keep a clean sheet as well, which is even more impressive. With Spurs, like that, that team can only get worse by by and large. Like Kane is is having a bit of a resurgence now, but like that will only last a certain amount of time before his ankle snaps again. And um, as I said, the the team is just getting older and slower. And uh, with Jose Mourinho, they're certainly not going to get any more fucking smarter. So. Yeah, like like that 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 team has a ceiling, unfortunately. Um, um uh, just one final note on that. Just kind of, um, I suppose, agree with you there. Um, as people who listen to podcasts will know, my in-laws are spuds, and oh my god, um, yeah, I forgot to ask you about that. I was expecting, uh, <laughs> you know, okay. you know, those like oh hard luck messages, like you know, see you in the top four next year or whatever. Um, and I didn't get anything, and I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, will I press it? Eventually, <laughs> what what I um what I got a kind of a second hand message, which was that the Spud supporter hates Jose Mourinho so much that. <laughs> He can't even like Jokes. celebrate when we win because he said that was one of the worst things he's ever watched, and he's been watching Spurs his entire life. So that is a lot of shit to be going through. Mm. Um, but th- yeah, does he couldn't even bring himself to brag about that because he's like that two shit teams paying to out shit each other, basically. Yeah, pretty much. That's all it was. Like it was, it's probably quality wise, we're in the worst, well, one of the worst derbies you'll see in a long time. Definitely one of the worst therapies in, in a long time, I can remember. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on there from that unpleasantness is uh, Bournemouth uh, fighting back, shockingly, uh, with a 4-1 uh, win against Leicester. Very weird game, this. Leicester didn't really... They, they took the lead, and then suddenly just everything went bad. <laughs> so, like, Bournemouth got a penalty, um, and then they got a goal. They Well, actually, sorry, they, they scored a goal initially, 
and then when they were when someone was trying to get the ball out, Sayunchu gave him a kick up the arse and got sent off, which is such a baffling thing to do. And then uh, Schmeichel conceded a penalty. Uh, Schmeichel had a really bad game in this, actually. He was at fault for all four of the goals, really, um, which is not like him. And, uh, yeah, they're just, just such an odd game from Leicester. Like, they just didn't look right. And uh, Bormer just, like, just put goals past them, which is, uh, again... Like I would say it's a factor, but like the goal difference is not going to save them in in this sense. Like they're yeah. they're either going down now or they're they're going to somehow beat Everton. Um, that's the only really way to survive them. But I will say Solanke actually showed how good he could be. The first goal was a bit of a like a bumbling in, but the second goal he fucking nutmegs Michael, which is like which is then you can see Eddie Harrow going like nineteen million well spent, <laughs> and then everyone's going like, are you still fucking here? You, you I totally won. forgot he existed. <laughs> that I think that's what like Bournemouth were planning on. Well, Leicester forgot that Solanke existed and then got two goals against him. Didn't work the next match day or the match day after, but it was that initial three points and four <laughs> goals that they were they were building on. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it, it was a it was a pretty weird match day all around, considering that like all the relegated relegation candidates, if you like, all won games. So like West Ham were safe, Brighton eh, not so much. But, uh, but like Watford needed a win, they got it. Villa needed a win, they got it. Bournemouth, holy shit, did they ever need that win? So like everyone suddenly um, basically mocked Norwich for being shit and won at the same time. So uh, it makes things very interesting going forward. Uh, yeah. The last match, mass, match of that uh, of that match day then was uh, the two all draw between Man United and Southampton. Uh, thank you, Michael Obafemi, for making the Champions League race very fucking interesting indeed. Um, considering that this was looking, by all accounts, to be like, uh, oh, oh, are Man United shaky? No, no, they've actually got good strikers, and they didn't really press on, and then they got punished by, by not knowing how to defend. It's a, very, it's a very similar story to Chelsea, except like Chelsea seemed to have, like, uh, actually, sorry, United seemed to have a little bit more defensive cohesion, but I think that's just because they don't have the likes of Rudika and Zuma in charge. Well, it's still United, not a great choice, though. United have some kind of... United do have worse defenders. Like, Maguire's got to be the biggest £80 million sack of shit I've ever seen. He's fucking yeah. terrible. And De Gea is now not up to scratch. But when he can outside of that, the defence is terrible. Like, they're, they're not going to challenge ever for the top four. Like, mm. Fernandez can only claw that ragtag shite bag of team, of players so far before they're like, we have to improve our defence and potentially goalkeeper. Mm. Um, but, uh, like, no, it's, it's fucking, it's awful. Like, they're not going anywhere with that defence. Yeah. You actually, you actually did see it in this game, though, as well, because, like, Obafemi was, like, being clung onto by Bailly, I think it was, for the entire sequence of the corner. By like, Obafemi, all he does is that you just, like, move back away from the danger zone and then, like, drifts in then for the, uh, on the far post. And nobody tracks him. Like, nobody pays attention to the striker who might score a goal. Like, dude, like, it, take a hint. He's running into, he's running in and gets his foot in. Like, that's, that's basic. Man mark. It's, it's easy. Yeah. You know? But like I said, it's just, it's, it's pure, like, like, I don't know if it's because it's, like, it's because it's, like, Solskjaer and Lampard who are two attacking coaches. I just don't know if they do just enough defensively for that to work. Because I was kind of making this argument to a Chelsea fan I know. And, like, I was saying, like, he's saying, like, oh, we need to sack off the defenders and goalkeepers, get new ones. It's like, yeah, well, that, that works. That can work sometimes. 
sometimes it's just because you're not coaching. This is the point I was actually making was that like, listen, like, you've spent enough on these players. You have to work what you have. You have to learn, teach these boys how to defend. That's why you bought them because they, they either are good defenders coming in or, def- or physically they're like able to do it. So like, if they're not like, if you're not coaching them on how to do it, then you can't fucking like, you can't blame them for letting in goals. You know, like you, you are the, you're the coach. You have to work on it. You know, it's all going well having shiny things up front, but you like, there's no point doing that if you can't defend the lead. And that's kind of the story of United and Chelsea at the moment. There's at least like, like roots of improvement in United and Chelsea. But like, if you're going to compete for titles next season, look back, look at the back of the, at the team. That's what you need to improve on. Never mind your attackers, you know? And, um, Match day 36 then was a pretty drab affair for everyone involved. Uh, Chelsea beat Norwich 1-0. Very little happened in that game. Uh, Spurs beat Newcastle 3-1. Again, a fairly routine win. Uh, Burnley beat Wolves 1-0. Oh, sorry, they drew 1-0. And that's all we say about that. Uh, Man City then beat Bournemouth 2-1. Bit of a scary moment at the end for Man City, but otherwise nothing. Uh, then we went to the games that we are going to talk about, which uh, starts off with Burkbot, uh, is going to tackle the Arsenal-Liverpool game which, as we mentioned yeah. earlier, uh, went quite well for you guys, considering. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I was at my own training session on uh, the night of this match, and my coach, being a Liverpool supporter, made me do extra sprints for daring to wear an Arsenal jersey to training. Um, <laughs> and I jokingly said, I was like, oh, you'll regret doing that, lol, because, you know, Arsenal are going to lose, the, you know. Um, and then he he refused to talk to me at the next training session. Um, <laughs> Funny how that uh, works. No, um, it was uh, I was fully, 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 fully expecting to lose this something ridiculous like five nil. Mm. Um, I absolutely went in with no hope whatsoever. I cannot stress this enough how much I thought I would lose this match. Um, <laughs> And in every statistic bar goals, I think we did lose. Um, like, just like we had three shots on target, or sorry, we had three shots, two of which were on target, uh, compared to Liverpool's 24 shots. Oh, eight all, three, of which all three were on target. We had no shots off target. Really? Yeah. All three were on okay. target. Clinical lads. Um, we had 33% possession. Um, <laughs> But it was actually, like, this wasn't, I didn't feel when I was watching the match, obviously I was looking at my heart rate. I think I might have messaged you. It was 108 or 118 at <laughs> some point. Uh, and I was just, like, my watch was giving me notifications of, like, we're not getting any movement from you, yet your heart rate has spiked. Are you okay? It was, one, um, it was 118 because I, re- I thought, Jesus Christ, that's twice. That's that's like twice a second. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah, not no, right. That's, <laughs> not right when you're watching a fucking match, not even playing it. Um, mm. But yeah, no, we were. Um, it, it was just. But in fairness, looking back at it, and I did rewatch the game because I felt like I was too panicked to take in anything that was happening. And um, when I went back and I looked at it tactically, kind of like knowing I didn't have the stress of not knowing what would happen. The marking and the defensive block that we put on was very well executed. 
Mm. And you could kind of see that knowing again with hindsight what happens in the next match that we play. That very much played into our next game against Man City. But the tactics of like the blocks that were being put in, the um, the shadowing of players, like people were properly being man marked out of the game. Which like Salah, I you know I really really rate Salah as a player. Like I think he's a fantastic, and he's been fantastic for you. And I think Chelsea were ridiculous to let him go in the first place. Mm. But um, Kieran Tierney had him in his pocket all game. Like yeah. Salah. Couple of pop- we just couldn't get over the fact that Kieran Tierney was kind of because I've kind of like I know a lot of people really like him and have really rated him since he's come into the club. I've mm. not been quick to jump on that bandwagon. I think he's a good character to have around, but I have my favorite Scotsman at Arsenal, and it's Emma Mitchell. Now she's gone, but uh, there's, there's um, a vacancy there, though. Let's be fair. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, um, yeah, uh, but same position as well, actually, in fairness, mm, right back. Yeah, sure. um, but yeah, no, uh, it was, uh, you, you could tell that in the last few minutes, Liverpool were just kind of taking shots for fun. And yeah. they kind of lost the intensity to actually win, because I think like there is that like, classic clip now of Klopp's face after, uh, like, it kind of uncharacteristic errors as well to give away the goals like the the Allison mistake and the Virgil van Dijk mistake were just they're the most Arsenal mistake ever. That, that was the weird part. Done. Like we were, it's like we were doing an impression of you for the banter or something. It was so odd. Like the the Van Dijk it one was, wasn't even let's funny. Our best Mustafi guys, let's let's try it. And um, yeah, no. Uh, uh, look, I think the building blocks are there for what Arteta had an idea to do for the following day, the following match day, which was against Man City. And mm. I think this is very much, I, I think Arteta went out with, I don't care what the result is, this is the gameplay that we're going to do. Mm. And literally page for page of that playbook was played out again on the Saturday, as in the low block, everyone sitting deep and then catching on the break was our go-to for Man City. And it worked also perfectly. High, also quite a high press uh, as well. Yeah. Like a good, good pressing as well was done. But also one thing I want to point out goes back slightly to our previous conversation is that in the Liverpool game, Emiliano Martinez made quite possibly the best save I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From a deflected Robertson shot, was it? Uh, possibly Trent, I think it was. Yeah, it was Trent at the end, yeah. Alexander-Arnold. Because Alexander-Arnold absolutely whips the ball and yeah. then it deflects off, I don't know, somebody's arse. And Ben's totally the opposite direction. Martinez, it's full Superman dive stretch right across the goal. It's a fucking wonderful save. Mm. It is truly awesome. Like It's like, here, get that shot. I think even the Arsenal photographer, the official Arsenal photographer even tweeted it. I think kind of Adam was like, here's, like a, here's a shot, get it on your mantelpiece. Yeah. That's what you do. Like it's unbe- it was a fucking unbelievable save. Yeah. Like there was a save of the season... And it really should be. Um, I don't see how I don't see how anybody's gotten better than that. Mm. You see, my in the box, kind of a scrambled um, save in the I think it was the first half, um, and it was basically just been not very scrappily cleared by us, and someone just got a toe to. I think it might have been Mane, 
and it was mm. a fantastic carry over the uh, over the bar by him. Um, yeah. And I thought that was a fantastic save because it was so close and his hit with such power. It was such a good reaction save. But then that comes out, yeah, at the end, right at the end, like super, super stuff. Yeah. Like, my, my kind of main takeaway from this match and perhaps the Burnley match as well was that like we weren't really that bothered chasing games. Like, uh, with the Burnley game, we took, like, an early goal and we were kind of, like, happy to just coast along and take the occasional shots. Now, the story of that match in particular was Nick Pope just being brilliant. Like, he, I think, made, like, nine or ten saves that, like, prevented, like, Burnley going behind even more. And then, like, Jay Rodriguez scored a peach then, like, 20 minutes from time. And we just went, like... Eh, fair enough. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, we've, we've, we've took 20 shots already. We're not fucking chasing this anymore. And with the Arsenal game, well, it was a case. It was like, we made two mistakes. We have all the possession. We can't get through. And I really don't want to fucking pull my hamstring, like, when the league's starting off in two months. So, yeah, you fucking go, girl. You have that fucking win, like, you know. And, like, in fairness, like, it's funny you should mention Salah because, like, I think, him in particular has been really, really bad during the, since the restart. I don't know, maybe it's because he's, I think he was out of form really since, um, since the start of the season anyway. And Salah can be, but like, even though he's still like puts in an incredible fucking like output of goals and assists, you can see when he's off color and you see it when like, uh, he's in a great position and he makes a tits of it. Uh, I think it was in this game or perhaps the Chelsea one where like he was pretty, practically on the penalty box. All he had to do was just like, was dink it straight. And, like, the ball's in the net. Like, he, he would have put those goals away in his first season. But instead, he tries yeah. to, like, beat the keeper, which is so odd because, like the, like, the keeper is, like, he's not tall as such, but, like, you know, like, like that's the that's the toughest option. Like, you have there, 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 the choice from. You have five different angles. And he goes for a straight, which is just so baffling. Like, his actual decision-making was very unusual. It was almost like he was trying to score, like, a like a real, like, thunder bastard when he could just keep it simple. Yeah which is what he used to do. And I think it's because, like, Mane is more of a natural at making those, like, goals look great. Uh, I think Salah tries to kind of outdo him a little bit, which is a nice little, it's a nice friendly rivalry to have. But at the same time, like, if this was an actual, like, life or death situation and the title was still in the the balance, like, people would be throttling Salah to get those through. And in in that way, I think that's what Klopp was more, like, jaw-dropped out of. Was that, like, you know... He had been him and his team were doing so well to like keep the concentration levels up because let's face it, we've never had a team that's gone on this long as champions and still try to put the effort in, you know. So yeah. it's like, so in a way, like how how psychologically can you keep a team like that upbeat and focused and determined? You can't really like you're gonna see a yeah, drop off. No, that that was um, I think Graham Soonis uh, was one of the ones kind of making that point that like. Um, yeah, like he'd been in a position where he was in a team that had won the league and had matches to play afterwards. And he was like, you, he, you can do all the training you want, but your brain is switched off. And this is once it. That happens. But no, um, like I said, it was great um, shock to win. Um, mm-hmm. But it did set up uh, very clear blueprints of what was going to happen in the next game. Yeah, and um, that- and obviously that was all part of our plan. We all want, we all wanted to give you the motivational boosters so we can stick it to those city bastards at the. Yeah, I think it's it's good, you know, like red team camaraderie. Exactly, it was a team building exercise. We got we got to learn about each other, you know, um, at an alliance against Man City next season, hopefully. Um, <laughs> moving on then to uh, to Neil's pick of this uh, pretty turgid match day, has to be said. Um, 
the Everton Aston Villa one all draw. Neil, what about this match has piqued your interest? Well, the fact that it has absolutely no interest whatsoever. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just pretty much shown how far Everton have fallen. Like this was meant to be kind of Everton's sort of season of resurgence, and um, it just further demonstrated as to the question of why is Everton? I mean, the club has so much financial backing now. They have an unbelievable coach. Still cannot believe the Carlo Ancelotti he is the Everton manager. <laughs> Let, um, let's, uh, let's, let's skip that part, yeah? And unfortunately, that's quite difficult to do that. <laughs> um, and he, he must just be looking at this team and going, what the fuck did they expect me to do? They've literally given me dog shit. And they're expecting me to cook them like a fucking you know, Michelin star meal. And it's just, it's so mad that every single, every single pound they seem to spend just goes completely awry. Like they just yeah. they can buy anybody and they'll just turn to crap the instant they get onto the fucking Merseyside. <laughs> and they keep doing it as well. Like they're not stopping the spending. They want to the fucking sign Insigne, James Rodriguez, all these players. Like lads, these players, and these lads are not going to go to the 12th place team in England. That's just not going to happen. Like, Carlo Mancholotti, fair enough, is a big draw, but, like, you, like the team has to be a draw in of itself. Like, like if, you're, if you're there trying to, like, court all these players, they're going to look at Wolves. They're going to look at, like, fucking, I'll try even in Sheffield. Like, they, those teams are interesting. Like, they, those teams actually have something going for them. Everton doesn't. Oh, you have no, to absolutely. stay in your lane a bit. In particular, this match, like, it was fucking goalless for 70 minutes. Mm. Like, the, the last, the, like, the goal, the two goals were scored in the 70, hang on, I don't know. 72nd and 87th minute. Yeah. And Everton, Everton had to rely on Theo Walcott. To bungle uh, it in, let's be fair. Yeah, to bungle it in three minutes from time. You just like, with a team that spent like just as much money as they have, what is going on? Like, mm. I mean, Goodison Park isn't a great place to play at any stage. I'm like, Everton hate playing there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking not, and they literally like, did nothing. It is collectively agreed that the worst match of this terrible, weird season. Um, yeah. Oh, don't talk about it. No. Everton match before Christmas, which was was at Lumberg's last match. Uh, yeah, well, Arteta, Arteta had been signed, but he hadn't taken over. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It, was a, it was the two caretakers with the last hurrah. Their last like. Yeah, um, you know the the send offs like it was Youngberg and it was whoever whatever prick fucking took over from uh, from the Everton job probably Tony Hibbert or something, and it was just like the and it was just like this is this this is what you have to offer this is this is what you're giving us. Yeah, I can see why you got fucking replaced to be honest, um, but like yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, like I do, I do kind of I kind of like Everton in that like it's it's always good to you know watch a team do worse than you. So, like, their, their midfield is fucking atrocious. Like, holy shit. They're, there's just nothing there. There's nothing up front either. Richarlison, okay, then they unleash him every now and again. But, like, he's not going to carry a team. He's not that kind of player. He's a good player. I'd like to say I'm surprised at Iwobi's lack of um, doing anything this season for them. But he was such an inconsistent player for Arsenal. And then going into an inconsistent team like Everton, I think that's, like, making him quadruple as inconsistent yeah it's um, multiplied it yeah like it, i think it's an exponential thing like um but um 
Yeah, like p- people are saying, like, um, oh, with Arsenal's lack of attacking down the left, well, should we have gotten rid of Awobi? I'm like, look what all the nothing he's done at Everton. What? Why do you think he would do more as an inconsistent Arsenal team? Um, but yeah, like they just they are funny to watch when you're not a supporter, and I yeah. feel like that's. What, I don't want to become the Everton. I don't want Arsenal to become the new Everton. We won't. But Arteta, we won't. Yeah, what I said we want. Although I will say that this match is only noticeable for me for leading to quite possibly the funniest um, Twitter comment I've ever seen in my life, which is I'm sure Tom Davis is shagging Carlo because that's the only reason he can get in the fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably an Everton fan saying that. To be fair, that's that's, that's one of their boys. That's one of their own. Like, was, yeah. the team. oh. It's just uh, like he, he then goes on to make a number of comments about how, our, like, if anybody's getting shagged by anybody, it was Everton getting shagged by Arsenal for pulling their pants down over the obscene fee we got for a Wobie. Mm. And you know what? It's going to happen again this summer. They're going to they're going to sign somebody for exuberant money, think they're brilliant, nothing happens, and the whole cycle repeats again. Like I'm again, going like, to now and say it's going to be Maitland Niles. To be fair, that would be a lot more conservative than what they've normally been doing. Now, I've heard of Niles, I think he's off to Bromley, I've heard. But again, don't quote me on that. And um, they're, they're apparently interested. But, um, but yeah, like, it, it's hard to say with them, to be honest. Like, Everton are, like, are, I think, the most delusional club in the league. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm saying that because they keep spending like, way too much money and expecting results. Like, they're literally doing... It's insanity. They're literally doing the same thing, expecting different results. Yeah, Malik, we've been saying this, actually, on this podcast now for quite a while, that Everton yeah. are running to stand still. And every now and again, it, it, it will collapse in on them. You know? Yep. You're going to need prop a club up with delusions and cash for so long before, like, you're going to have to do something with it. They're, they're really close to, like, infraction um, FFP. And the only thing that's actually saving them is because they're privately owned. But like their their commercial output is not matching what they're spending, and I think they made loss of about 110 million last year, yeah. and that was because they signed like this like the cigarettes in a Wobie, all them, and they were not they're not getting the money in to prove it. Like they don't have the same fan base. If they funked like 150 million quid down the drain, quite yes, <laughs> and they have, and and the reason is because of the new stadium as well. They're trying to do it at, at the, the on the the, the Bradley Dock Stadium. And like that's a big down payment as well, and you're trying to spend like you're spending money on a new stadium, but then also trying to like spend like bucket loads on on players. Like you, you, for a team that size, you can only really do one or the other. You can't do both. That's that's insanity, you know. Um, eventually, the the, the the bubble's gonna burst there, unfortunately. Um, moving on then to the other games from the fixtures, and um, we have uh, Leicester two Sheffield nil. Leicester very much needed this one uh, to keep in the hunt for uh, for. Champions League, which they fucking bottled, let's be honest. Like, Leicester have really fucked this up um, to let Chelsea and yeah. Man United back in. Um, Southampton and Brighton drew one all in their, like, in his technically a South Coast derby. So, uh, well done, I guess. Well done for having, not having any fights. Um, Palace were beaten 2 0 by Man United in a regulation loss for Crystal Palace. That's set. They have lost seven in a row now, by the way, uh, since yeah, the Palace. restart. That's, a, that's the thing. Like, I, I was, I was kind of hoping Palace had put. Like it pulls up out of the bag for to stop Wolves, and they've also and they've been, their next game as well is against somebody who was kind of threatening us for European spots. Uh, I know it doesn't matter now. Spurs, but, uh, Spurs, yeah, 
so I was thinking, like, Palace, surely they won't want to end the fucking season on an eight-match losing streak. But apparently it turns out they really do. They don't mind, really. It's, it's, they're not fussed, really, to be honest apparently with you. Apparently they're an absolutely stuffed, like a fucking prize turkey by everybody who comes anywhere near them. Mm. Oh, man. They're okay with that. They're totally okay with that. They're apparently okay with that. I suppose losing feels great when you're a multi-millionaire and you're flip-flops. Yep, true. Uh, that's a mental image I didn't want to have for Roy Hodgson, but thanks very much. Um, <laughs> I don't even imagine. Why did you immediately think of him? Why, I, why him? Why of all the people associated it's with just the most. It's just the most incongruous person to have in flip-flops. Like, I don't even imagine he has feet. He has talons. Like, owl's legs. Like owl's yeah, legs. That's what I that's what I imagined. It was just him in a wire shirt and just owl legs. legs. With a big varicose vein going all the way up like. That's, that's what I pictured. Oh. Yeah. And they're just like wobbling his way through Italian, like Well that's something I'm gonna have to draw now. Yes, yes, please. Now No, you don't. No, nobody Christ <laughs> <Rice> people. <laughs> Just there, like, Burfrey's trying to get, like, a good picture of, like, L talents to get it. Like, this is the weirdest commission I've done since last week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yes, the last game then of that match day is the one I'm going to talk about, which is a 3-1 win for West Ham against Watford. The game that sacked Nigel Pearson and relegated Watford. That's my my hot take here. I don't give a fuck what happens to Watford now, really, because they have literally fucked up their only chance of survival. Nigel Pearson... Did you ever really give really that much? How how much of a fuck? Well, okay, yes, in re- relative <laughs> terms. But for banter purposes, Neil, you have to keep Nigel Pearson in the Premier League. And the fact that, like, yeah, not only have they did not throw themselves over stadium. Absolutely, man. Like, what? Like, who's going to do that now? What? Fucking Hayden and Mullins and Graham Stack. Fuck off. He's ever... if, you're, if you're a wild dog in Romania, you're shitting it. <laughs> If he if he takes a job at Steyr Bucharest, I would fucking yeah, that would be brilliant. There won't be a fucking well-eyed dog within <laughs> hundred yards of that stadium. <laughs> but the thing is, like the thing about it is, like like Pearson was doing a really good job there. Okay, granted, like the, the restart did went pretty poorly at the at the at the end at the start. That was your time. Like if you wanted to get rid of him, that was then. But really, the only reason they got rid of him was because he had a he had a bust up with one of the one of the members of the pizza family uh, on the training ground. That's what happened. He basically the pizza family said, "Why aren't you winning these matches?" And Nigel goes, "Because they're shit." It's like they're not shit. I signed them. It's like yes, that's the point. You keep sign you keep signing shit, and they expect me to do something with it. Is that pointing at Troy <laughs> Dini going, "What do you expect me to do? Look at him," and like. <laughs> 80% chip fat. <laughs> you know, like, that's what the problem is. Like, that, like, like their major malfunction is expecting fucking, like, just magic to happen. Like, okay, you, the manager has eight, eight games. If you don't win 20, if you don't get 25 points from that and, like, beat everybody and, like, cure cancer in that time, you're sacked. It's like, lads, you're Watford. Stay in your fucking lane, like. I hope they get relegated for this because this is this is the dumbest thing a Premier League done as, Premier League club has done since they signed Mario Balotelli. <laughs> That's that. This is how stupid that is, and I'm speaking for that as a club who fucking did that. You know, like, what is the logic? How exactly does like an an interim coach save a club in two match days? They've already got tonked well, by Man City, well, and they're well, going to get tonked well, by Arsenal. Weren't they? Uh, 
That's not. Uh, that's that's where, uh, no, they are. No, I, no, I'm happy to say that they are going to get tongued by Arsenal because they literally had nothing going for them in the Man City game. The they are, they're not going to have anything them. to go for. Don't put the jinx on it, man. Even still, like they're not going to outscore Aston Villa at least. Like, in, like they're down. They yeah, are fucking Villa down. Have a goal difference of minus twenty six. Yes, and Watford is minus twenty seven or something along those lines. They're they're a goal up practically. Fucking hell. You know what I mean, like, but like, I, I like, do you know what? Just fucked them because, like, this whole like this whole system of like sacking off managers willy nilly, like, first of all, like, how much money are you like spending on severance alone? No wonder you can't reimburse the team because all of that money is going to fucking them. And like, like, how how long did you expect that this like master plan to work? Were you just hoping to just stumble upon a magical like manager who stays there for six months and gets you like eighth place? Because you had that, and what happened? You fucking sacked him. So like, what do you expect? Like, fuck off, go away, go away, which is go back to the championship. So that's my fucking hot take from that match. I didn't. I know I didn't actually say anything about the match, but like, I just wanted to tell Watford to fuck off. That that was my that was my analysis. Like, good luck, which is off to the fucking shadow realm, which is. Um. I know I spoke about Watford and I am due to speak about Watford in the next match day, but again, I actually did not put two and two together that Nigel Pearson was their manager. I thought he was the Wolves manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my God, they're doing so well. They're at the top of the table and they're sacking him. Oh no, these are the relegated ones. Oh, oh wait, they're not actually relegated yet. But oh, Okay. Um, but yeah, I liked the stories of Nigel Pearson, like Nidge. Um, yep. But um, I never actually paid attention to what club he was managing, which makes sense, which I probably did know, but it just went straight out of my brain it's, again. It's blocked, yeah. It's a mental block. Yeah. Mm. But I, it is just such a bizarre decision, and it makes my, like, you know, involuntary blockage of that team all the more, you know, I feel better about it now. You do, you should, because quite frankly, like, they deserve that blockage. They deserve to be basically redacted like a fucking sex pest <laughs> pro wrestler. Like, they're done. Like, they, they're never, they're never been in the ring again. Top rope, top rope Troy is cancelled. Like, that's, that's where we're going with that. And, like, rightfully so, because, like, what you've done is basically surrendered your Premier League status because, like, your manager had a disagreement with one of your fucking, like, princess owners. Like, sorry, like, that, again, it's, it's, it's your fault for, having the club in the way it is. So, yeah, good on you. 